When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coach Wiley, we're back. It's an exciting time. The season is starting around the country in college football. Today, as we're talking, NFL roster cuts were made, and we have our, of the 53 now, and they'll be playing another week. And uh, high school ball around the country is is up and in full force. Yeah, it, I tell you what, as the football season gets closer, you get more excited to see how it's all going to turn out because you don't really know how your team's going to be. You may think you know, but then you still have to play the game. That old attitude, you know, you have to play the game. you got to go play the game. And some teams that think they're good not, may not be as good. Some teams that think they're just okay may get better. So it, it's fun to see and watch the different teams around the country. And I don't care what level, Pop Water, Junior High School, High School, College, Pro Football, everybody says, who's going to be the guy? Who's going to go to the Super Bowl? Who knows? Nobody knows. Right? Nobody knows who it's going to be. Right? Same thing with the college, the national championship. Nobody knows who that team's going to be. Okay, they got to go play all the games to find out. And that's what's the exciting thing. You don't know. Let's see what happens. That's the fun spot. Today we have a guest joining us. And our topic in general is safety through superior technique. Our guest is Mike Pollock. And Mike was a second round NFL draft pick out of Arizona State and played guard and center for seven seasons in the NFL for the Colts, Panthers, and Bengals. After retiring from the NFL in 2015, Mike started his coaching career at Corona del Sol in Tempe, Arizona, as the offensive line coach and was promoted to offensive coordinator. Mike turned down a head coaching position to pursue this new adventure with Tip of the Spear football since 2016, and he goes around the country now teaching players of all levels his technique. I had the opportunity to work with Mike in the past, and he's very knowledgeable about the game and the science behind blocking and defeating blocks, and much of what he has learned has been from Scott Peters, who is now with Bill Callahan as the assistant online coach for the Cleveland Browns. Coach Callahan and Coach Peters were speakers at the 2022 Cool Clinic and definitely impressed with their presentation on their striking system and outside zones technique. And today we're going to talk about some of the ideas that are important to keep an eye on during the season, as well as how safety in our game is achieved through superior performance. So, Mike, thank you for taking the time to join us. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm always happy to contribute. Mike, I know I gave a brief introduction there, but what I didn't cover is how you came to know Scott Peters and get involved with him after your playing days were over. 
Yeah, so Scott played center at Arizona State kind of like a generation before me. So as he was going to the NFL, I was going into college. And so I uh, kind of followed his career, you know, as I'm kind of getting my, my – my, my feet underneath me in college, learning a brand new position at center. He would come around in the off season. I always joke with him that people always ask me who hit you the hardest playing football. And I said, well, Scott Peters. And they're like, wait, what? And my, my senior year, we were, we were on a, a roll early in the season and Scott was playing with the Cardinals and had a bye week. So he was down on the sideline. And before, before the series started, he comes off and he's like, let's go Pollock. And he kind of punched me in the chest, like an offensive lineman in pass pro. And it knocked the wind out of me. And so I'm like hobbling out to the middle of the field, putting my hand on the ball, still catch my breath. But as I transitioned to the NFL, Scott kind of would check in with me once in a while. And he, when he left the NFL, he were, he started up a, a MMA gym that he was really into teaching martial arts, helping train UFC fighters. And in the off season, he was always like, Hey, Pollock, like come out and work with me. And I always thought it was real strange that, I mean, I'm a football player and I'm like, how, how am I going to do martial arts stuff and get better at football? And I really didn't understand the, the, the connect. And over the course of my career, he would check in every once in a while. And, and one time he, he popped in uh, the Cincinnati Bengals locker room with Jim McNally, the legendary offense line coach, who was our consultant at the time. They're good friends. And he's like, oh, I'm starting to teach this kind of new contact um, techniques. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, okay. And then I'm off to practice. And when I finished that season, I, I was ready to be done with football. And I, I was coaching and, and Scott was like, hey, I'm coming to coming out to Corona del Sol to do a clinic with you guys. And so I, I kind of said, you know what, like, I know this guy, I'm going to make sure I'm there. And I, I, list, I got reconnected with him. And I think we probably talked another two hours after, after that clinic and just catching up. And it was really me asking questions about all these things that he just got done teaching us. And so it really ignited my curiosity about this program. So we, we just kind of developed a, a, a rekindled friendship and um, kind of the rest is history. I started with, with Scotty in the beginning, way in the beginning with, can't remember the guy's name now. He was with Scott way in the beginning when Scott had that boxing gym and we yep. were upstairs in some little office in that boxing gym off of Hayden. And then somehow Scott got my name, right? And he called me and I came down and I said, okay, then when you need to get this out, how do we get this out? I said, okay, you need to come and speak at the cool clinic. And then I brought him back like three times, three years in a row or something like that. Okay. It goes back a few years now. And then uh, later on, obviously, then you got involved in it. And the technique is really interesting. What Mike is going to start talking to you about and the techniques that, that we teach. You wish you had that when I first got into pro football. You really do. Okay, because when I first got into pro football years ago, you were leading with your head. You know what I mean? Your head was coming and making almost the first contact. And then your hands would follow, even though you want your, your hands to get there first. The crown of your helmet was, was you, you stuck it right in there. You know, stick your face on the numbers and all that other stuff. The way the game's progressing, if they can get more and more of this information out. And I think, Mike, you got to start with the guys that are coaching the younger kids. If you can get them to understand it. As the kids start coming up to Pop Wanted in junior high school, you got to start educating the young coaches. Because the only thing they know is what they learned from their high school coach. You know, you're, you're, abs you're absolutely right. 
You're absolutely right. And the, the current state of youth football is really a mess. And each state does things very differently from another. But there's so many safety, quote unquote, safety resources out there, but they're so uninspiring to coaches. The one great thing, like we're getting so many more new youth clients. Um, our biggest client is actually out in New Jersey it's called the New Jersey Suburban Youth Football League. And they started as a small independent league, developmental league, but now they've grown to the largest league. They've got 24 towns. And uh, I actually just got back there from a couple of weeks ago and their commissioner, Russ Yeager, just told us that since implementing tip of the spear, this is our sixth year across their entire league, they've seen their concussions go down 90%. But more importantly, they've seen their registration continue to improve every year. Coaches are excited about new information in the game that because there's this misnomer that by making football safer, we're going to make it a softer game. And we're trying to disprove that by showing what, I mean, what Scott's doing at the highest level, Keith, like that, that yeah. study that you're alluding to. What's interesting, Coach, and I remember the introduction to him and you talked about how, you know, Coach Callahan brought him out. Scott wasn't coaching in the NFL at the time. But in this way, I had to look it up. It was a direct quote. I knew it was something like this. So I looked it up in the, in the video. You said, this is the next step in the progression of getting somebody's ass blocked, right? And so I think, especially we go back, that's 2015. We go back seven years. This stuff really hadn't come to the forefront with all the concussions and CTE. And it was about looking for the best technique to get somebody blocked to move people, right? And so... That's where all this started. And I, my offensive line coach, when I was at BW, was bringing this stuff back. And we weren't talking about all this stuff. And I, I don't even know, you know, this didn't all come to, to light right away. But, you know, Scott's had all these studies, like Mike mentioned, over the years of, of people that he's worked with, that it's been a big decrease in the amount of concussions. But I think what's most interesting now is last year the NFL put accelerometers on the helmets and measured head impacts. And per their study, the Browns' offensive line had the fewest head impacts across all 32 clubs. In 2021, they led the league in rushing yards per carry at 5.1 yards. They're number four in total rushing with three different starting running backs. Being a Browns fan, I, I know that pain. I mean, we missing guys each week. And they were number two when you factor out QB rushing yards. And this is a team, you know, if you look at the cool clinic and what Scott and coach Callahan were talking about, I mean, they're a gap scheme team. They're a wide zone running team with heavy personnel packages. They are playing a very physical brand of football that traditionally equates to increased helmet impacts and trauma. But with the way they're implementing these methods and techniques, they've been able to accomplish something that makes them best in the NFL in, in player safety, really. I think that's what this is all about. As Micah had talked about, you know, it's important to parents out there looking at this and really all the players that we coach. We have to have their uh, safety in mind when we're teaching them out on the field. Now, Mike, when you, you played for Howard, and I know Howard was a he, – he wasn't so much of a hands guy. He was more of a shoulder guy, wasn't he? You know, yeah, we used a lot guy. of shoulders, yep, shoulder forearms. I mean, we were on the Crowder pan sled every single day. And, and, and you know, like across the league, there are, there's a lot of different personalities in the offensive line room. There's a lot of different philosophies. Everybody thinks that they've got it figured out to their liking to fit their scheme. But at the end of the day, like when you can look at that study and go, yes, the Browns have the least amount of head, helmet impacts per play, 
and like drastically different than the other teams in the study. But you look at the brand of football they're playing, and it is oppressive, punishing football that offensive line coaches desire their players to play like. And I mean, coaches coaches want their players to be safe because they want them available for the games. But ultimately, coaches want to win. They want to teach things that are winning techniques. They want to implement plays that maximize yards every single play. Um, but it's really been the performance-based technique innovations that have precipitated a safer game. And we feel like Tip of the Sphere has been a leader in that space since Scott started this program almost a decade ago. But it's a multi-faceted kind of approach because it's important to have our helmet or equipment technology to continue to evolve. But those are very reactionary tools because, like Coach said, I was taught my first time ever I put my hand on the ground in high school to use my face as, like, the initial impact to make contact. That doesn't mean it's not effective, but it comes at a cost. And so over the years, we've gathered more and more data of what that cost really is. So if you're going to offer a replacement, then it has to, at bare minimum, be uh, achieve an equal performance result. Well, we're seeing performance drastically improve across the board because we're teaching players proactively how to put their body in better postures to generate more power, to be more physical, and to control and sustain their blocks for a lot longer. The discussions around player safety has kind of, kind of cooled off. Obviously, we had the whole COVID stuff that added a whole nother layer, but it's really the, the new techniques that are really evolving this game forward. And as much as people still want to focus on safety, safety, safety. I, I like to use the analogy of like our airbags and our cars, like the airbags we have in today's vehicles are so far advanced from the first airbags that we had when we were first driving cars, even if they, if they even had an airbag at all, but we don't crash our cars on purpose to test the efficacy of those airbags. We don't want to wait until a kid has a concussion and go, oh, well, it could have been a lot worse. It's like, no, we, on the front end, we weren't going to give you the skills and the tools so you can go kick that guy's butt but you're going to be so confident in using your body because you have this detailed game plan for your objective that you're not going to be reliant on using your, your head because you know that doesn't equate more power. You're not going to be as likely to wince at the moment of impact because you've developed your body through a, a regiment of skill development programs based on your position. So it, it's really cool to see this safety become a byproduct of implementing superior technique. And when I started to coach years ago, and I wish, and, and you evolve as you go and learn how to coach, okay? And then I sat down and I said, man's been around for 200,000 years. About 200,000 years, the first carbon dated fiber of man, okay? And the, and the body still works the same way as it did 200,000 years ago. We may look different. Some of us may look different. Some of us may not. But the way the angles of the body are, and the way the body is subjected itself to creating the most amount of power, and if you put the body in the proper angles, you know, with your elbows and your thumbs up, you know what I mean? You got an arch in your back, you know, you can create a 90 degree, you can create a 90 degree angle with your arm and your shoulder and you can create an arch in your back. Those are the two strongest things known to man on the planet. Well, your body naturally can create those two things. So what we're actually involved in too is teaching the player how to put his body in the best proper angles 
that the body was made to be in, how the body is created and evolved over the years, okay? And this is the best angles that you need to be in in order to get accomplished what you need to get accomplished. And 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 Scott and, and uh, Mike and the guys that go around teaching it, that that's where it's all started from is he's putting your body in the best proper angles to get the job done instead of putting the body in, in the position that it's not going to work the right way and you're going to end up with problems. Exactly. We try to defeat the current trend in coaching where, I mean, obviously time is the most precious commodity and there's never enough time at any level of the game to, to teach uh, technique and to teach players. Yeah. And time so what often ready. happens is, yes. And so what often happens is coaches end up teaching a singular method and trying to create a bunch of robots and then get frustrated that a player or two or three players aren't fitting the specific mold. And so like the success that the Browns have had, the success that we've had over the years at various levels in terms of performance and player safety, it really comes down to players and coaches understanding what we call our principles of contact. We use an acronym called BLAST and use a skill development model, but it's really about teaching players how to best utilize their body, put them in positions of strength and let them do what they do well because you look at the browns like they're both of their guards are really uh, some of the best in the entire league you got batoni on the left uh, teller on the right but if you looked at them in street clothes they are very different bodies they have different strengths different weaknesses but they understand how to maximize every ounce of power that they can generate for their objective and that's kind of our biggest goal is is providing that detail that we we don't believe was in the game previously. You bring up some really important points there. And before we go deeper, I certainly want to give some recognition to to Coach Wiley being part of this process at the Browns. In fact, watching a preseason game the other week, and Dee Podesta's on, the the general manager, he's talking with Joe Thomas, who's the announcer for the Browns. And, you know, they're talking about how Coach Wiley brought Scott Peters in and a little bit, you know, that he – he taught him some technique, et cetera. So I know this started with Coach Wiley while he was there, and certainly Bill and, and Scott have uh, taken it and run with it and, and now have one of the best units in the league. And you saw some of that too, Coach. Uh, I know you were on Hard Knocks, and they show little bits and pieces of your meeting room, and you were teaching some of the stuff. You were teaching, you know, the arch and the bridge and the strong structures and and that's something in looking at this, when it came across Scott's stuff, teaching is so important, right? Being able to teach rather than, like Mike said, do this, create robots, etc. Something you do, Coach, and talked about on this podcast before, is that you find ways to get these guys to relate it. So they're able to, to do those over and over. And, and there's when you look at the system that uh, Scott put together you know, for tip of the spear, and obviously now is using some of that technique with the Browns, uh, it is just full of learning cues. So as a coach, it really gives you some tools to teach these guys in the best way. And as a player, you're going to remember some of this stuff because of the imagery created like you do in the classroom coach and and uh, some of the acronyms, et cetera. Yeah, I brought Scott in. and he, he stayed with me for the training camp. I brought him in, Anthony Munoz and Owen Cruz. Not a bad crew to come into training camp with me. And I, I kind of done that wherever I was coached. You know, I used to bring Anthony with me. Anthony come up to Chicago. You know what I mean? And I brought Tunch Oaken, God rest his soul. I brought him down to Arizona. And I brought him in, in uh, at Tampa. And you know what I mean? So I, I bring the guys that I, when I look at, I say, okay, these guys do it the way it's supposed to look. They do it the best. And they can teach it. 
you got to rely on resources. The body has to go through a sequence of motion. So you have to teach them the sequence of motion. And, uh, you know, I always thought that even though it's, it's the, Dr. Crowder sled was one of the best things to teach the sequence of motion. Not so much that they use it for shoulder blocks and forearms, but the sequence of motion leaving the line of scrimmage that the body's going through, that sled helped to teach it. I, I know Joe Petonio like working on it because he's got one of the better sequences of motion. When he's leaving the line of scrimmage, the way his knees bend, the way his hips are coming, the, the way his arch in the back, his pad level goes out first. It doesn't come up. I mean, it's really clinic to watch him when he's leaving the, the line of scrimmage. If you got them in the sequence of motion and then teach what, what Scott is teaching and Mike is teaching, right? That That's a big plus for those guys. And Mike, you mentioned the, the acronym BLAST. I know, I think Scott's talked about that on the podcast before, and I'll, I'll link some of the conversations Scott and I have had. But uh, as I mentioned, just full of, of coaching cues, and it does start with the BLAST acronym. So if you would talk to us about what that means. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So when we do a clinic for a group of coaches, whether it's an individual staff, a school district, or even a giant youth league, we want to start with a foundation that we all can agree on and kind of go forward. So our BLAST acronym is how we define what playing with leverage truly is. Because, I mean, I played for a lot of different offensive line coaches and the, the amount of conversations that you have. We know that if we ask a coach, what does leverage mean? We're going to get a lot of different variations and answers. So through studying film, biomechanics, BLAST basically stands for the B is the playing with a good base. Um, everything, all power has to be connected to the ground and and you learn this very fast in the nfl that if your feet are not connected on the ground upon contact you're going to be on the ground and i I've unfortunately like most players have, have learned that the hard way and so not just playing with a good base of course but more specifically we we, we try to widen we, we see a lot of players playing with too narrow of a base we try to get players to get their feet a little bit wider than shoulder width have their toes to turn out slightly so they can maximize the surface area of their insteps so they can actually control the ground through contact. L stands for playing long. We want to play long with the hand. Obviously, there are different objectives on offense. We want to control. On defense, we want to separate. But getting away from using our face mask and our head as one of the primary tools for contact a stands for ascend with the hips. So rather than attacking your opponent on a horizontal plane where, I mean, I went to Arizona State, but I, I can understand these simple physics concepts, um, attacking, <laughs> a, a larger, attacking a larger mass on a horizontal plane, like you're going to have to generate more momentum to meet and exceed that oncoming force. So a smarter approach is to use our hips to deflect the, the oncoming force upwards because if I can use my hips to ascend up through my opponent, I can put him into a posture that is significantly weaker than his initial charge off the line of scrimmage. S stands for playing square. I remember Howard used to talk about this analogy of playing like with soup cans. If, if you take two soup cans and smash them together really hard, there's a, only a singular line where they will smash hard. If you deflect off of that line by any degree of variability, those cans are going to kind of slip right past each other. And so oftentimes players go for this knockout hit or this knockout block, knockout tackle, 
and they're really limiting the consistency and the maximum power output that they can put into contact by not being square upon contact. Now, I might be, I'm not saying I'm going to be square to the line of scrimmage. It's square in relationship to my opponent based on the objective of contact. And finally, the T stands for triangulate. It's just a martial arts term for taking half of a man. We know hitting a, an opponent down the middle is where he's strongest at. I need to attack one side or the other. And often, from an offense's perspective, I know which way the ball carrier is going. I know which side of the defender I need to be on. Conversely, the defender is generally responsible for a gap or a positional leverage on the field that they're going to offset and try to attack their opponent in, in that manner as well. So it's really just a simple checklist principles of contact that everything we teach has to be able to find its way back to that. And it's really a, a coaching philosophy for contact that helps players really troubleshoot. And when I'm working with players, I try to remind them like, look, there are more of you than there are of coaches. A coach can only maybe look at one, maybe two guys on a field at a time. But if you have a, tr if you have a problem out on the field, you can't wait until you come to the sideline to try to correct it. You want to learn how to become your own coach in a sense that I didn't have the outcome I wanted to on a play rather than going, you know, what, I got to try harder. I'm just going to hit them harder. What part do I think I failed at? And I can go through this checklist. We have some other acronyms that we use to, to help players play more efficient, play fast, but it's about elevating their understanding of how their body works. And as us as coaches, helping us maximize the players that we have, because sometimes we're blessed with, five blue chip linemen that rarely occurs usually you have uh one Where were couple guys. <laughs> yeah yeah what did that yeah, happen i know right well you, you go to you go to, there's that there's that one high school down in florida down in tampa that seems to have all the five-star kids yeah. but it but it rarely occurs and often you're one injury away from having to pull over a tight end or a defensive lineman to play on the offensive line so it, it's really about helping those maximize every player on the field and, and maximizing your time because again that's that's our greatest obstacle that we have as coaches is combating you know when i when i coach him like uh i never give him just one way to do something because if, if you could if you give a player hey you only can do it this way and you're out there and you're playing you get a 12-play drive and it's not working you put that player in a disadvantage because you can't help him he's out there absolutely help him. So, so i always give them like plan a plan b and as they get older and you get up into the professional level, you can give them more, okay, because they got to be able to talk to each other out there and make the corrections. Absolutely. So I, 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 I never message. give them just yeah. one way to do it, you know what I mean? Because I, I put them at I a disadvantage. That. I put them at a disadvantage, okay? I put the offense at a disadvantage. I put the team at a disadvantage. I, I can't do that to anybody those guys, you know what I mean? So I always gave them, hey, guys, this doesn't work. Try this. If this doesn't work, you got to go to this. If this call doesn't work, then go to this call here. This may be better for us. So they got a toolbox that they can just draw from out in the huddle when they come back. Talk to each other, guys. You know, talk, just make sure That's you communicate and get on the same page out there. I don't care. People say you got the right page or the wrong page. you got to be on the same page. If everybody's on the wrong page, it works. Sometimes it works. If everybody's on the right page, obviously it's going to work. But when they're on the right page and the wrong page at the same time, it's not going to work. And then you go back to the, you know, what's the concept of leverage you were talking about? I always thought this, and you can tell me I'm nuts if not. The concept of leverage is you want to, the body has two power producing angles. 
right? And your knees, actually, if you had your ankles, but your knees and your, and your hips, right? They're two powerful uh, angles that your knees create with your upper body and your hips create with your upper body. And my thought process was you need to segment the upper body power angle from the lower body power angle. So if I could segment his spine angle, right, and make it be greater than the lower body power angle, then I've won, is what you're saying that you do with the hips. You know, Absolutely. Hips I mean, I had coaches. Upward movement and you're segmenting his upper body power angle, right? So you're taking his spine and you're raising his spine away from the angles in his knees. So now he's starting to lose strength on defense. And you now you start to win that battle. That was my definition. Absolutely. Somebody asked me the definition of leverage. I said, definition of leverage is you segment the upper body power angle from the lower body power angle. Some of the taller kids are going to be higher. They're going to do a different job with their hands lifting the guy, right? Some of the shorter kids may get a better leverage angle, you know, get underneath the guy's pads and make, make, make it a little bit easier. But you've got to get that angle segment that are, you're going to just stay in place. Absolutely. I mean, I, every coach I played for at every level of the game emphasized using your hips on the football field, but all of the technical progressions or instruction was uh, coming from a, a, a pushing philosophy. And in the weight room, yes. literally literally every football player can je- can squat more than they can bench press because the mechanics of the hips can generate more power. So when we go to the football field, how do we actually tap into that power? Because a lot of the things kind of when I was leaving the NFL, when a lot of the new, hey, we need to take the head out of the game, those types of messaging, coaches were keeping their same instruction for pushing, but just saying, hey, okay, just don't use your face mask. But then we're seeing time after time again, intervertent helmet contact. And coaches were like, well, I'm not, te- I'm not telling him to hit his head, but he's still doing it. So it's the player's fault. And I always felt like that was really a bad cop out, but I love teaching. And when, when I'm working with youth coaches, especially having them be able to describe a, a concept multiple ways, because you might have two different players that hear the same message, but you get two different results. And I tell coaches that if you cannot explain a singular concept multiple ways or, or expand on it, then it, then it sounds like you need to learn this concept even more. And so we want to create better players, but also we want to help coaches feel the sense of, you know what, I need to raise my game as well. I need to learn this technique to the same degree that I understand the scheme. And for a long time, coaches pride themselves on their attention to detail in, in the playbook, but out on the coaching field, it was like, okay, do it this way because I said so. And that was the end of the instruction. You know, I've been coaching for 50 years, 36 of them professionally, and I'm still learning. I, I still learn. This profession is never know the whole thing ever. If you have the passion, you want to go out and find the answer, then go do that. Go do that. And Mike did a lot of research on this with Scott, you know, and and it's wonderful to see do that. It really is. It's, it's amazing what you can learn when you talk to other people. But people don't like to communicate because they feel that, hey, I should know that or I'm going to look I'm not going to look smart if I ask these questions. And I tried in all my meeting rooms, tell the kids, look, there's no dumb. There's no dumb questions. There's only dumb answers. All right. So if you don't know, okay, you need to ask right before you go on the field. You're going to want to know the answer to anything we're going to do out there. So don't just sit there and say. 
I'm afraid to ask them, so I should probably know this. The same thing in life. If you don't know something, go ask and find out the the answer to the question you're looking for. You know, we have that offensive line clinic, and we get, well, one year we had 700, 800 guys, right, Keith, and another year we had 600. You know, when I have it in, in for real, we all get together in person, I always get over 400 guys, and I tell them, if you guys have a question that you need an answer to, there's somebody in this room that has the answer or may help you with it. So go find that guy to get that question answered. Okay. If you don't, that's your fault. That's your fault as a coach. Yeah. And that's a big uh, message we try to bring to really the high school level coaches. We see it oftentimes because nowadays all players usually have a cell phone, right? We have access to information at our fingertips and you go online and there's infinite number of quote unquote gurus at any position teaching what they think is the best, the next best thing as coaches. Like we expect our players to ask us when they don't know, but we have to be able to tell our players as well. Like if they, if we get a question, one, we should hopefully have the answer to it. But if we don't, and we, and we try to make up it on the spot and, and like the, the player is going to understand, like you're kind of BSing him. He's going to go find it, uh, uh, his answer online by somebody else that may or may not be accurate. And then he's going to always from that point forward, second guess everything you say. So we got to create this culture. And one of the things that I love most about the program that Scott created and that we're continuing to kind of carry the torch for him while he's in the NFL is everything we teach has a why behind it, right? It's, this is why the body operates more effectively. This way. This is why we want the hand to land here. This is why we have our specific rotation of the thumb turned out versus pointed to the sky, because we want players to understand that why. And when you understand the why as a player, you are so less likely to make consecutive mistakes. You're going to grow faster because you understand it. But as coaches, it's easy to, to, to play the ego game and, and not and when you're in a clinic setting, not ask questions because you're afraid to, that you're not going to have the answer. But at the end of the day, like you said, we, we all should be continuing to grow. And it's a very simple equation, but it's not easy to do. And we're trying to combat that in society as well, like trying to fight against doing the easy way out because the easy way out is rarely the right way and in football like if you take the easy way out too many times you go you put your hand on the ground it's going to be it's going to be a rough four quarters for you our accountability as as coaches really is that that we are continuing to learn the game right this this is a game if you teach it wrong there are some consequences for the players from a safety standpoint so we owe it to them to constantly be looking at and developing them, developing ourselves, asking those questions, getting the answers. And, you know, I, I look to who are some of the best teachers out there, too. I wanted to make this point with, you know, I said before, you guys have set up a great system in how you communicate things. And that's what I see out of the best coaches, whether it's offensive line coaches, uh, quarterback coaches, et cetera, is they do a good job of coding everything. Everything they do can be brought down to a word or two that's communicated easily. And when it's taught to the players, you're able to improve their performance and in, in very quickly, right? You're not giving them lectures out on the field and what they would do, you give them a quick phrase and they got it. And that was, I was really impressed in the cool clinic when Scott and uh, coach Callahan brought out their, uh, their pass pro strike system and how they coded that thing. To me, that was next level coaching. Because now with a letter or a word and a number, 
they were able to communicate, here's your adjustment to fix this and to win, you know, against this certain technique, et cetera. And that's, to me, that's good coaching, right? But that's developed by really taking a deep look at how are we doing things? Why are we doing things? And as Mike said, there always has to be that why behind it. You know, that why worthy, you know, I was very fortunate to be around the Bengals when Paul Brown was still alive. And that, that was quite a, a, an honor for me, I should say. Okay. And uh, Coach Brown would say, tell the players, always ask why. If you don't know something, ask why. He would make sure the players understood that. When you're talking about asking why, I mean, that goes way back to Coach Brown, way back. You know what I mean? And I would imagine that Coach Howard probably said the same thing. Okay? They tell the players, always ask why. You know, why are we doing that? And and the coach, you better have an answer. And like you were saying earlier, Mike, you know, if don't try to BS the players. They'll see right through it. Right. Right. If I don't have an answer, right? Somebody somebody asked me a question in the meeting room and I'll say, Okay, guys, I'm not sure what the OC wants to do on this. I don't have that answer. I'll tell them. You know, I say, but you're gonna have the answer before we go on the field. So I never right. would ever let a player go on the field but not having that question answered correctly. So I go to the offensive coordinator or the head coach. Sometimes he's the coordinator. I say, hey, what do you want to do if they bring a safety here? You want us to take them or do you want to leave them to somebody else? How do you want to handle that? You know what I mean? Then I go back and I tell the players, this is how we're going to handle it, guys. Okay, coach, thanks. But if I try to make something up, no, they see right through that stuff. They do. They really do. Everything you're saying, like Howard was the type of coach that, um, you, you knew his history as a player. You knew he was going to coach you hard, um, but, but kind of love you as hard as, as well in that meeting room. But we've got the level of detail. You can absolutely tell when a coach is kind of just making stuff up. You can tell when you, you, you can tell when they're, they're reaching for that answer. And, and I always loved it when a coach was like, you know what? I, I, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go get that answer. And we'd always get that same thing. Once you you created that in your meeting room, okay, your meeting room is where it all starts. Okay, once you've created that in the meeting room, that identity, that that camaraderie, that togetherness, that I mean, that's that's what each coach wants to create when he gets them in the meeting room. <laughs> once they understand that, I mean, I was only at Cleveland for two years. Okay, my first year. Okay, I went in there. The offensive line, we finished 10th. You know how the grades, the full football focus grades, everything out. And we finished, we had the 10th best offensive line in National Football League. When I was with the Raiders, we finished 6th. We went 6th. Okay, my second year at the Browns, we finished 2nd. We had the second best offensive line in National Football League. Okay, and then we got fired. You know, they fired Hugh Jackson halfway through the season. They didn't give the job to Greg Williams. Blah, 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 blah. But those kids, you could see them get better. And then when Billy got them and Scott, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the next guy that came in after me, it, went, it, it stepped backwards a little bit. We were second. They finished 23rd. And then when Bill came in, he got them back up there. You know what I mean? I said, Bill, what was the difference? He said, he said I just continued what some, some of the stuff that you and Scotty did. He said, but the thing that happened with me, he says, I got tackles. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said I, I got tackles. I said, thanks. 
I said, I had a tackle until he got hurt, you know, until Thomas. Right? So uh, Billy was funny when we were talking. And he says, yeah, the thing while this thing I had that you didn't have, he said, I got tackles. I said, I, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> it's a simple game. I mean, you got one a body in front that you got to control, and but you've got a whole unit, right? That's what makes this position group so special is you've got to have that chemistry. And when you're at the NFL level, it's a little bit different because you've got different personalities, guys making big-time money, which can affect their personality. Um, but, but figuring out ways to make sure we're all trying to still achieve that common goal. To wrap this up, I know in talking to Scott, too, there's a lot of excitement around this study, what's happened, along with the success of, of what's happening on the field, right? And, and I think the important thing is that safer doesn't mean it's softer. You know, I see all the, the critics of different rule changes, et cetera. Oh, we're making a soft game. I mean, there's nothing soft about this. And you, when you take that that study along with the work you guys are doing, where where do you see this fitting into the future of the game? How does this affect the future of the game? I mean, one of the coolest things that that I've witnessed over the, the many years of doing this now is every single place we leave, whether it's a youth clinic, a high school clinic, whether we're working with NFL coaches or NFL players, like you, you see that light bulb moment in their eyes where they're like, I just learned something I didn't know before. This is going to help me so much better. And they all walk away going, this is going to be the future of football. And it's really exciting to be on, on kind of still like the precipice of it, but just eternally grateful for the, the I mean, I, having left football kind of being burnt out of it mentally, physically, to have this passion reignited um, from this program that Scott started. But it's only like information is only good if you can implement it and it's effective. But when you're preaching a message around safety, it, we, I like to joke with coaches. It's like if I came to your door knocking on it and I was trying to sell, sell you a minivan, like nobody, like most coaches, even though they're practical, I grew up driving a minivan, but most coaches aren't going to be excited about driving a minivan. You're like, yeah, it's safe. But if you showed up with a, a sports car, if you showed up with one of the cars Bob's driving around in, like they're going to be <laughs> jacked up, excited to, 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 to jump right in for a test drive. And that's what we're showing them. Like we're showing them techniques and skills that, that, that sports performance, we're going to optimize it higher than it's ever been in this game. And it's going to yield safety benefits. Like, and we're seeing both performance and safety at the highest level of the game because I mean, I mean, that's proof right there that this is the future of the game and, and we're going to keep going full head of steam and forward. And we've had people try to poke and pull apart what we've taught. And we just continue to get more support in our corner for medical professionals, strength and conditioning experts, people that who understand the body to an even greater degree of detail than we do, who are all signing off on the science behind what we're teaching. And, but again, if it makes it safer and it doesn't make football better, doesn't make football players better, then most people aren't going to use it. So that's why we're leading with performance and the, the safety benefits will continue to follow. What You've got the Browns as a perfect example. So once they've done it, like you were saying, Mike, okay, at that level, and say, hey, this works at the highest level you can play. And then what happens is some people get skeptical. They go, yeah, well, those guys are pros. Okay, 
So now, Mike, you can go back and you go back to your pop water group over in New Jersey, and you can say, hey, guys, it works at this level too, okay? Yep. It works at the pop water level, okay? You got, you got schools you probably went to at the junior high school level, right, that it's working. It's, it's working at the high school levels right, right, right around town here. Right, it's working at the college levels, whatever colleges that I've, I've adopted it. It's working at the pro level, right? I think you gotta you gotta sell the levels that it's to find success with. It's just not, you know, the Cleveland Browns are number one. Well, yeah, then they get those skeptical guys and go, yeah, well they're they're all pro players. No, 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 no. He said, I got 24 groups in New Jersey that it's working with. They're all pop water guys. That that yeah. I think that's more impressive that you got those guys than the Cleveland Browns. Oh, for sure. And we tell those coaches like, and Scott has always loved working with like elite athletes. Like that's the way his brain works. I've got young kids. So like, I love being around kids and, and helping them seeing the smiles on their faces playing football. But when I work with youth coaches, I tell them, I said, the NFL for everything great they do for football across the country, they're not going to save the future of football. They have their own problems to worry about. The college ranks, we we know they've got their own problem right now. The high school, it's way overly regulated. There's way too many restrictions and rules that differ from state to state. It's the youth football coaches that are going to make or break this game in 50 to 100 years. How do we stress to them that they, I mean, one, a lot of the a lot of youth coaches get out of coaching because they're forced to take these uninspiring generic coaching certifications from these these major groups that have not helped them become better coaches and yield better performance on the field. We, we thank them, like we thank them for giving up their time and volunteering to help teach this great game. And we just want to we want to provide them new information. And that message has gone over so well because coaches at a lot of levels are so used to just being told what to do, what to think. And we're not, we're not trying to say, do this because it's better. We're saying, understand this way is how the body works. Understand, like, I'm going to present you with some new information. I'm going to put you some in, put you in some different postures that you're used to. And then you tell me yes or no, that it feels stronger. I mean, we've had countless NFL coaches, well-respected tell us like, Look, I'm open to learning new things, but never do do not tell me to not lead step. I'm I will always lead step with my guys. And we're like, sure, coach, that's fine. What about this? And by the end of of our clinic, they're like, oh, I, I understand where you're coming from. And it's the, it's really that youth level that we are gaining so much ground with because they're, they're seeing their registrations increase because it takes one bad experience in football for a kid at that level to never want to play it again and not invest it in football. Like we want football to grow. We have to go down and speak to the coaches and help them with the issues that they're facing. When I, for, I'm just using myself as an example, Mike, when I first started to coach, when I got done playing uh, college football and, and uh, I went back to my old high school, right. And I was teaching high school economics and, and, uh, uh, U.S. history, and, and they started a Pop Warner youth football program in the town. Okay, this was way back in the 60s. They came to me and said, would you help us out? Because I was a local, you know, I played in the town and every day, all that stuff, right? So I said, yeah. Well, I went down to try to help those kids, and I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I really didn't. You know what I mean? And there must be a lot of guys like me when they first started a coach. You kind of think you know what you're doing, but you really don't know what you're doing. And and you have to learn the process of coaching. 
that you really do. You know what I mean? And and you gotta wanna have a passion to go do that. Okay, just don't put I used to and I I speak to a lot of different clinics obviously and I tell the guys, just don't put the jackets on and think you're a football coach and stand on the sidelines or go to practice. I said, football coaching is, is, is really uh, is a lot of in-depth stuff that you have to do as a football coach with that player. And all the players are different. And you have to approach each player, not as one. I mean, as one, right? you can't approach the whole group as one. They're all individuals. They all learn differently. They all act differently. They all have different personalities. Okay, so each one of them has to be treated differently. Well, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time. This is, is great stuff. You and I uh, talk from time to time and certainly talk with Scott as well. And you guys are doing a great job. It was great to get Coach Wiley's perspective on all of this too. I know, uh, you know he, he brought Scott to the Cool Clinic uh, over a decade ago and uh, really brought this to everybody. Uh, I know the Cool Clinic brought it into our program when I was at Baldwin Wallace too, and it's fun to see how this has progressed now to um, the performance that it has both from uh, and on the field. We're getting people blocked best in the league standpoint to also the best in the league in, in limiting uh, head contact and promoting player safety. So great work by you guys. Uh, Mike, thank you for taking the time today. We got to get Mike and on the pool clinic. Lit. That's okay. what we got to do. We got to get him on the pool clinic. Pete. All right. Sign me up. I'll be there. And if you're if your uh, listeners want to learn more about it, like we've got video libraries on our website, and we do a free thirty day trial because we want to show that we're not out there selling snake oil. Like we want coaches to be able to use this stuff. Um, so you can go on our website tosfb.com, tipofthespearfootball.com, and, and sign up for a video. Check them out for a free thirty days. If you don't like what you see, cancel. But we add new stuff every uh, every month. We've got a bunch of coaches that help us kind of add new content. Um, but really, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to kind of speak more to the success that we're seeing with our program um, and at the highest level with Scott and the Browns. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Mushroom Society series on the Coaching Coordinator podcast. Our guest next will be the offensive line coach of the USFL champion Birmingham Stallions, Jonathan Heimbach, and we're going to be talking about five as one. Be sure to check out the show notes for links. I'll link a course that Mike has on CoachTube that explains all the principles of this. I'll put a, a coupon code in there so when you click on it, it will be free to you. I'll just log into your CoachTube account. And as Mike mentioned, you can go to tipofthespearfootball.com and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Follow all we're doing on coachingcoordinator.com and follow the new Cool Clinic Twitter handle at The Cool Clinic.